everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Analytical Fanboys. I am one of your hosts, The Vacuuminator, and joining me, as always, is the merciless Boingo Rider. I have a mustache. It's, it's a nice mustache. I've seen <laughs> it. I, I can't tell you if it feels nice. I haven't gotten that close yet, but we're working on it. It's going to happen. Not anytime soon, no. No, no, no. Sad. Anyways, today we're talking about a comic, an indie comic, an indie comic by one of the most famous indie comic writers from, I I think this is like... 2003, I think, is the first issue when it first came out. Okay, so this was slightly before Walking Dead. I think so. Okay, yeah, it's Robert Kirkman, if you didn't know people. We're talking about Invincible. This is an independent comic series um, about a teenage dude who becomes a superhero because his dad is a superhero, so genetically he got superhero powers, and he gets up to superhero stuff. I think that's a that's a pretty good outline of the premise. <laughs> yeah, at least for this first book. Yeah, we're talking about just the First trade, which contains the first four issues. It is titled Family Matters. And uh, Chris, why did you put this on the list? What is your attachment to it? Um, I've read the entirety of Invincible because it has finished by this point in time. Yeah. Um, It is genuinely one of my favorite comic series. It is great, impactful, and I wish more people knew about it because genuinely it could move superhero comics forward in a great direction. Um, it doesn't feel like it would be that important when you're first reading some of the stuff, but by the end you go like, hot damn, this is Grant Morrison level of like superhero analysis in comics. That's a really fucking interesting statement because this first volume I would not describe as Morrison level impactful or pretty much anything you just said i didn't not like it i liked it i have a few niggling issues here and there that we'll get to but overall i enjoyed it however the word i think i would use to describe this first four issues because i didn't read past this i might at some point it's definitely in the cards i just don't know when i would describe this as wonderfully mundane I, yeah, I realized that once I finished the first trade paperback, because I just read it straight. Mm-hmm. You probably should have read the first two trade paperbacks, because that's when you start to realize what the comic's really about. Okay, that's fair. And do you mind if I spoil? It's very much in the beginning, and like anybody who starts getting into Invincible kind of knows it if you start to look it up. I mean, don't spoil it, spoil it for me, but, like, just tell me what the hook is. I'll just spo- spoil the first twist, because there's, like, a thousand and one more after it. Neat. Um, so, you know the Superman analog that we meet, the the dad, the really cool dad with the mustache? Is he the villain? Uh, well, let's just say he lied about his origin, he doesn't come from a peace-loving planet who's trying to spread happiness and joy. He comes from a war-loving planet that wants to subsume the galaxy and rule over everyone. He is the sleeper agent coming to Earth 
to basically prep it for invasion. So is do they end up fighting or not? Is is what I don't know how to feel about that. Okay, that completely changes my view of this. Can I spoil some more of his character specifically? He yeah, feels bad it. about it. He does feel bad about it eventually. How eventually? Because this goes for like 200 issues from what I saw. I can't remember exactly. But like things happen and he goes like, oh shit. Know what? Maybe I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that in the first place. I'm an asshole. And everybody goes like, yeah, you're an asshole. Hmm. So he doesn't get off scot-free, but he, he does go through character redemption. All right, then. Um, but there's also a lot of other things involving, like, other characters, like uh, Robot. He has a big thing later on. Yeah, I can clearly tell they're setting him up for stuff. It's like they're trying to charm you with his sarcasm right now, and they're probably going to either give some kind of punch or just make him be really extra super cool later on. Yeah, in a way. Uh, but there, but basically, the this whole story starts out with him just discovering his powers and going like, "All right, I'm just going through the, the 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 archetypical teenage superhero antics to start off with." It it really feels like a calmer version of Danny Phantom at this in the first issue or two. I can definitely see that, especially with this costume being the way it is, which is an excellent superhero costume. One of the It's best. a good costume. I didn't even get that until you said it. I was just thinking, like, the general mood and the kind of stuff he goes through, where he's just... He's got this very average teenage boy high school for the, for the mid-2000s life, and um, has a job after school, and he can't always hang out with his friends, and there's a hot girl who he's clearly crushing on, but has a boyfriend. Um, and then he, um, the whole basic, uh, plot of this volume is that he's, I don't want to say it's a puberty allegory because he's clearly more like, uh, 15, 16 rather than, uh, 13, 14. Yeah. And if I may thematically for the book, it's much more about maturity. It's much more about responsibility. Yeah, it feels more like he's coming. He's becoming. It's more a like man it's more like him getting his driver's license. His powers are more like yeah. his driver's license. Yeah, because it's not. It's like they do have sort of a weird, uh, a puberty speech moment where the dad's like, "You're gonna have some weird changes coming. This, your body's, you're gonna get hairs in weird places, and also you're gonna fly. That's a thing." Um, but other than that, it's it's more like he kind of figures things out on his own, and then occasionally the dad will just show up like, uh, hey, wanna wanna go to work with me today? Yeah, it's very it's a very refreshing take on like the 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 stress of a superhero secret identity. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's not a ton of stress of like, oh I gotta hide who I am. It's much more about like shit, I don't have enough time. Fuck me. Yeah, it it was interesting because, like, I'll be honest, there was a big fear for me at at the start when I kind of realized what the what the initial premise was, um, was like, oh, fuck, is current Superman just ripping this off? Because I'm very into the whole Superman with a kid thing that was going on up until Ben just fucked it up. Um, 
Yeah, but that was DC's problem. We don't have to deal with him anymore in Marvel. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I never thought I'd be jealous of you. Anyway, uh. But I was worried that this was just gonna this was gonna be very similar to that, and I was gonna be like, "Oh no!" And is this gonna make me not like the John Kent stuff as much because it's just a ripoff of this? But this is a very different kind of thing. Um, the the John Kent stuff is very much like John Kent is still his own character in that, but Superman it, it's more about Superman getting to be a father and about what being a dad is like. This is about the kid figuring out what it's like to be his own person. What it's like to be in the kind... What it's like for him to do the stuff that his dad has done um, when he's not able to see him. Yeah, there's a beautiful moment where they're doing their team-up, and every once in a while, the dad just zips off, comes back and goes like, ah, I just had to deal with the thing real quick. And he's like, damn, you're it's, fast. It's that Superman trope that everybody loves, but ju- but just done to such a different effect. Because with other care, in when they do it in Superman comics, or when Superman shows up in a comic, like it happened in Morrison's Ant-Man, or Animal Man, sorry. Yeah. Um, it... It's it's like they're in awe of him. They're like, oh, Superman's so cool. Wow, this is great. I'm with Superman. With with um the kid, it's just I'm sorry, what what do are we calling him by Invincible in this review, or do I need to remember his real name? We'll just say Invincible. That's easier to remember right now. Okay. When it's happening for Invincible, he's just like, Oh shit, he did it again. Oh shit, he did it again. <laughs> Will I be able to do that? And Dad goes like, I'm not sure. You're you're partially human, so you may have weaker powers. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. And the best thing though is like an emergency happened, and his dad starts flying away, and he's trying to, all his might to catch up, and it's like, fuck me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like he's disappointed in himself, but more of like, man, I want to get, I want to be better. Yeah, and it's, it's a, that's a really sweet moment to me. It. Oddly enough, it reminded me of watching wrestling and then the next day working out. Like, it it really felt like, oh, I feel so good about what I'm doing right now, but I'm not good enough. I'm not there yet, but I gotta keep going. Yeah, it's very much about self-improvement, and, like, there's a lot of that, and there, and it's kind of in his name, too. He's Because he's young, he's cocky, and he feels like he can do anything, he's invincible. Yeah, it's it's a great moment when he finds his name because it's such a fucking teenager thing that he beat up a couple of like fucking X-list bad guys and then go, "Whoa, I'm so cool. I just saved the day. I'm invincible." And yeah, he, and he picks that as his fucking name. And I love that everyone calls him on that. They're like Oh, you're you're calling yourself invincible, and you're that guy's son. Okay, okay. Yeah, like it it, it. it totally makes sense for what the character is because he's. It's not cocky. It's more of like. It's that kind of attitude about the world where you haven't had enough teeth knocked out. You had enough to you realize, yeah, no, shit's not going to go my way all the time, but not enough that you go like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like, um, oddly enough, it reminds me of the speech at the end of Wild Ass Man, um, where he's, 
I won't I won't say who he's talking to or what it's about for people who haven't read Why the Last Man, but there's basically a moment at the end of the last issue where the main character says to someone like, you're still young, you need to go travel around a bit, get your heart broken in a few times, and then maybe you can do what you say you're going to do. Yeah, and that's very much what a lot of this is. It's, for lack of a better way of describing it, this is this universe's Superman origin story. What this whole comic kind of ends up being. Yeah. Because, yeah, his dad's kind of the Superman right now, but as I spoiled you a little bit earlier, he's not really Superman. Well, you know what it is? His dad is Golden Age Superman. This guy is modern Superman. Yeah. It's Golden Age Superman who's actually General Zod. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, can we talk about the mom for a second? Because she was kind of my favorite part of the comic. Oh, like, she is genuinely one of the best supporting superhero characters ever. Going back to the recent Superman analogy that I made, this is what I wish Mom Lois Lane was like. Because, <laughs> like, Mom Lois Lane is my least favorite part of the John Kent stuff because they just kind of try to make her seem like badass suburban mom all the time. And I'm like, that's not really Lois Lane. Lois Lane should be a little bit more introspective to me. Um, But this is, this is like spot on for that. And she's not even like, I think this is meant to be uh, just going by what I see in this first volume. She comes off as a stay at home mom to me. Um, And she it's, it's very much that, sort of wife complex but it doesn't feel stereotypical of like yeah there, i don't usually worry but there's these few situations and one of them happens during the book that does make me worry and i'll kind of stay up late and watch something that makes me feel better when that's happening and it's the most superhero thing she said is like you know, I can see him go traipsing around the world and beat up monsters all the time. That's fine. But when he gets transferred into another dimension, that's when I worry. And it's like, you know what? That's a and very that makes specific perfect, thing. It makes perfect sense, though, because you think about it and it's like, well, she's using the logic of I can just turn on the TV at any point and check that he's okay. But I don't have access to TV in that dimension. I have no idea what's going on. And then, and then and he'll they, come back at dinner and say shit like, uh, yeah, I was over there for like six months and was stuck in prison and my powers didn't work. I had to lead a revolution. Looks like you guys had a nice day, though. Yeah. He's not salty about it. At least the character's not presenting as salty. Yeah. He's, and like, he's more just like nonchalant. Talk, like, it's literally represented as a how did your day at the office go moment. Yeah. And it's a and showing him coming back was really kind of cool because you just see the mom sad in the living room. He walks by full, big bushy beard and goes, I need a shave. And she's still in the living room and just the tears down her eyes. Like, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really like that, that he said that whole, I was in another dimension thing because it feels like such a Superman or Captain America plot. And then the next day when I was thinking about it in my head, I realized later on that did become a Captain America plot. I've read that issue. That's the lead into Captain America number, I think, 800 it was. Long-running comics are dumb. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, genuinely, the family is fantastic part of this book. It's a really, really solid dynamic. And honestly, I am a little upset to hear that it doesn't last much longer. Like, it, I'm, I'm interested to see where things go, but I'm just like, eh, I could, I could go, I could go with a whole book of this. Okay, this is only a minor spoiler. It does get better. Okay. It, um, it goes down, but it does get better. It does. They're a family. They are genuinely a family. Okay. Um, so getting into a few of my, uh, my, like, I, w- I don't want to say complaints. It's more like just like, this didn't sit right with me. It's not, it's not a complaint. No. It's not a nitpick. It's just wasn't to my taste. It was a little I, too spicy for your tummy. I don't like how some of the names are really clever and some of them are really generic. Like, Robot, I get the joke, but I would have liked something a little better. Rexplode, I'm kind of the same way. That's a That feels like a lazy pun to me. On the other hand, I love Duplicate. I want to yeah, know more about that character because I fucking love that name. I think she does play a major part in a later arc. Okay. Um... um Personally, though, Adam Eve. It's a... I didn't quite figure out what that's supposed to entail. Like, I like her as a character. I didn't quite figure out how that name ties into her powers. Her powers are basically Molecule Man from Marvel Comics. Chris, I don't know jack shit about Molecule Man. Oh, shit. Right. Fuck. (laughs) By the way, later on, when we start talking about things we read, I'm going to go deep into the weeds of Marvel things, and he's just going to be very confused. I'm just warning you right now, Zach. That, that's the point when I just open Reddit and wait for it to be over, honestly. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, Molecule Man has the power to completely control molecular bonds and atoms. So he's, he's Firestorm without the fire. Yes, but less radioactive. And that's kind of what her whole shtick is. That's cool. Um, so the I have t- two other things. Uh, number one, I like the art style in concept. Um, I think it's pretty good. However, in a few places, it, it feels a little... It makes it feel a little too much like an independent comic. Like, just... Some of the random lines they're doing to try and get expressions across make it look unfinished to me. I can definitely see that. It, it, early art is much rougher than later art. Later art is like some of the best comic book art. Oh, I'm sure it gets better over time. It's just right now I'm like, you should have spent another minute or two on some of these pages. Yeah. Um, and the the final the kind of final villain they get to at the end of this trade. I don't dislike it. However, at the moment, and I have to, I have to word it that way now, given what I know at the moment, it felt too serious for this book. Yeah. And like the whole speech he goes on about like bullying and popular kids. I was like, I get this social commentary for the time, it's worded a lot better than most things at the time made it. 
However, with how mundane the book felt until then, it, it felt like we went from zero to 60 in less than a second. You know what? I can definitely feel that though. Like I can definitely understand that because I kind of forgot that that was the first arc of the whole story. Mm -hmm. Because to me, the first arc was much more focused about him kind of going like, all right, what am I as a superhero kind of thing? And this was kind of ancillary to that. It was just more of like, this is his first big case kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And even then the, the, Basically, the plot is Guy's son kills himself because of bullies. Guy's life falls apart, divorces, loses his job, does all that. He becomes a teacher and decides, you know what? I'm going to punish the popular kind of kids who, who bully people like my son. And he straps bombs to them and blows them up. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, when he gets caught, he's basically like, uh, well, you caught me. Uh, so here's my plan. I figured this would be much easier for you because, hey, I realized this is kind of crazy. Uh, I don't believe I was wrong, but I do realize that society will. And uh, that's kind of all that really matters at the end of the day. All right. Here's all the stuff. He's weirdly self-aware. He reminds me of. And this is this is a really crazy comparison to go for, I realize, but he reminds me of some of the serial killers they interview in Mindhunter. Like no, it's how, very much how matter of fact they are about like, yeah, no, we're not crazy in the traditional sense. We're just really committed. Like some of the stuff we do takes hard work, man. You don't realize. Yeah, it's very much like that kind of thing. He's very, he's less angry that they found him. It's like, oh, so it's, so it's now. Okay, cool. I didn't, I didn't realize when you would catch me. He knew he would be caught eventually. Mm-hmm. I um, did, I did like that part. I was like, okay, that's, that's a, that's a kind of trope subversion I can get behind. Yeah. Of like, it's, oh, I'm going to tell you my plan because just why not? I'm I'm done anyway. I know it. I'm not telling you it because I'm overconfident. I just know I'm done. I know I'm done, yeah. and it, this should probably be on the record just for future knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I like it, it comes off as like, yeah, no, I realize I know it's wrong, but I had to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Which you know was interesting as a first villain, especially. Especially when I say it like that, it gives me a lot more interesting thematic context for later events in the story. So, I think this was a villain set up for theme and not for plot, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's pretty good. Um, especially given the spoiler you dropped on me, I don't know when I'm going to want to get back to it, but I probably will at some point. It's like, like I said, when it it got picked, it's one of those independent books I've always been kind of interested in. And I'm like, eventually I'll binge read that. I don't, I, I have no idea when I'll actually decide to do it. This is just like, okay, now I have actual incentive to eventually binge read this. Yeah, and it, and it goes in some places. It, 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 it's interesting. It's very, uh, like, I think it's one of the more well-rounded kind of superhero comics that has been around. Mm. I.e. in, like, it deals, it tries to deal with a lot of, like, 
plot style. It can go for uh, for political style. It can go emotional. It can go action bombast. If you get, do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's it it it, it it's like an onion. It has layers. Layers. <laughs> it's like Photoshop. It has layers. <laughs> that that was pretty good. That was, that was pretty good right there. Oh no! Like here's the thing. I told a joke to my mom, and she was, and it's like one of my dumb pun jokes, and she was like, ah, whatever. And I just immediately went, "It's okay to laugh. I'm very clever." And she couldn't stop laughing for a minute. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is definitely a very Boingo core joke. Uh, so I think that's all we have to say about Invincible. Are you ready to find out what we're going to talk about next time? Yeah, yeah. All right. I've already got the uh, the random name picker set up. So, wow, this is taking a minute to load. Holy shit, it's another indie comic. We're doing the second volume of Saga. Oh, all right. Image to image. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Oh, that's that's okay. Yeah, I'm 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 not I'm not excited, but I'm happy about that. Early image to current image. Yeah. Well, early to current image because Invincible only like ended like a couple of years ago. So yeah, it, it, I I actually just checked while we were talking. Uh, it goes to 144 issues. Yeah, it goes for it. it. It goes, and eventually, like they start putting a tagline on the Invincible comics. Is it, it used to say the best superhero comic going, and then it, they just eventually crossed out superhero. It, they left it out in the in the graphic, but it just said the best uh, comic going. Wow, it's confident. Mm. It lives up to some of that confidence. Not for everyone, but for me, it does. All right. Uh, want to do some what we've been up to this week? Why not? All right. Uh, just go ahead. Just free shot it. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Uh, so let's. Uh, why not we talk about some some of the moose acts? Because uh, I listened to a song. The name is probably something you'd like possibly more than the song itself. Okay. Uh, the band's Rockwell Kid. I talked about them before. Uh, the name of the song is UHF on DVD. Interesting. It it, it kind of talks about like I'm pretty sure it was about like a lazy day. And it's just like you know what I wanted to I wanted to re- I want to relax and be with you and watch UHF on DD. That's a lovely sentiment. Yeah, but it's just like it's a it's an interesting movie to reference. Yeah, uh, I think it was probably referenced more because it's three letters and it kind of flows with DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still have fingers crossed that he's he's planning a sequel after that cryptic tweet a couple uh, a couple months ago. That'd be fun. That'd be definitely fun. And I've also been listening to a bunch of industrial metal, so Rammstein, uh, Power Man, Five Thousand, Static X. Nice. nice. But I, I've just gotten into a Rammstein kick for some reason. I literally only know them. Because Vangelis asked the Bluefin representatives at New York Comic Con one year if there would ever be SH figure arts of them. 
That'd be amazing. Oh my god. Because have you ever seen what they look like? I think I googled it once, but it was a long time ago. Because I'm not saying they're weird motherfuckers, but they like to play up some weirdness in themselves. For reference, for anybody who's wondering why he would ask that, this was back when Figure Arts Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson were coming out. Yeah. Like, and Rammstein, I think, are big enough that they could probably... They could probably pull of like statues and figures given enough given a company wanting to do it enough mm-hmm. it's, it's gotta be like somebody there is a really hardcore fan and he's been pushing for it for years and it's like okay fine we'll do it but you're not getting a Christmas bonus this year but here's the thing if you do a Rammstein set it needs to come with a, a set of their stage because if you look at the lead singer's credentials on Wikipedia, it says lead singer, poet, pyrotechnics expert. Well, again, there's a good reason to put them in the figure arts line. You can just do P- the stage as pre-order bonuses. Yeah. Um, and another thing, the keyboard player, while playing keyboard, just walks on a treadmill. Okay. Like... I've heard differing stories. Mainly, he just wanted to... Is that them? That's them. That looks like gay Ric Flair and all his buddies. Yeah. Um, The guy on the far left is the keyboard player. Hmm. Uh, And the guy in the uh, front and center is uh, uh, Lindemann, and he's the lead singer. Cool. Um, But... The different stories is the keyboard player either wanted something to do while playing keyboard because everybody else was in playing drums and guitar and like we're moving about and he just felt he wanted to do something too. Or he walks on a treadmill to keep time better. <laughs> that's great. Like either one, I go like that's that's an amazing thought. It's kind of like uh, uh, the bass player in Rush who didn't have a bunch of guitar stacks just like gets random had like random appliances stacked up to to make the stage more even like stoves or washing machines <laughs> nice but uh Rammstein Rammstein is pretty good and they have uh, a lot of cool stuff uh it's definitely one of those bands that I want to go and look at the translation of lyrics because all their songs are in German did you hear that I heard it but I don't know what it was that was a train horn. I live fairly close to train tracks. I've always wanted to check and see if you could hear it on my mic. It, it was. It, found, it sounded like you farted, and I could pick it up. <laughs> That's how faint it was. That's great. Yep. But Rammstein, and for some reason I can only say their name like that. I can't say it like Rammstein. You got. You got to be a little bit. You got to add a little bass. Roll your R. Rammstein. Nice. They're good. I really like them. And again, Power Man 5000. Can't go wrong with basically sci-fi B-movie version of White Zombie. And uh, Static X. Weird, wacky, and beautiful. Yeah. Industrial Metal needs to have like a, a minor comeback. I think, I think the, world can, the world can use that. Yeah. So uh, let's see what else I've been dealing with this week. Uh, I can already go ahead. I didn't really watch anything, and uh, and it'll make sense once I get to what I've read. Uh, but I've been playing Gundam, 
I've been doing some more Duolingo. I've uh, mastered some of the levels in uh, Japanese, Irish, and German. Real quick, before we get too far away from it, what are some of the the Gundams you like really like? Some of the ones you would actually consider buying a model of? Uh, Crossbone Gundam is is that's the that's the pirate one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's by far one of my favorite. I really like the more. Like there are some Gundams that are very curved, and I'm not the biggest fan of those kind of guys. I'm I like the more chunky boys. I definitely want uh, uh, a red comet Zaku, which is Char Aznable's main mobile suit. Uh, I want uh, the version two uh, R- uh, RX seventy eight, which is uh, the main Gundam in uh, Char's Counterattack, the movie. Okay. There's a there's a good couple I want like that. I I haven't seen anything from Thunderbolt, but I love the designs of the Thunderbolt mechs. Yeah. And just to make sure the lead is not buried, this is not me asking you because I'm still Christmas shopping for you. I was just <laughs> genuinely curious. Oh, no, I understand that. But like. And like, I kind of want to get them as uh, 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 like, I can't remember. Is it MP? No, it's not MP. No, it's perfect grade, perfect grade or master grade, uh, but those are a little bit more advanced model kits. So I want to get a couple yeah. of perfect grades uh, under my belt before I ever get any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, it goes, it goes perfect. Um, it goes master high and real grade, right? It's high grade, which is the bare bones, uh, basic Gundam that you see everywhere. Okay. Then I think it's master, then perfect, then real. Okay. Because at one point in time, high grade was meant to be like the high end Gundam model kit. Mm-hmm. Because before. And then they discovered what weebs were. <laughs> oh, man. No. You want to see some of the biggest goddamn weaves? Just look at the fucking people who work in that factory. Because they're all Japanese men working in that factory. But their uniforms look like goddamn uniforms from Gundam. (laughs) And positions in the company of the factory are named like Private, Admiral, Captain. That's fantastic. I'm glad that people who work on Gundam are that into the franchise. And like the factory is designed to look like the inside of a ship in the universe of Gundam. We We could use that kind of spirit on some more Western brands. Oh yeah, it's great. I like. I have fallen in love with Gundam. I love Gundam stuff. Uh, I finished Doom, Doom One. Neat. At least the uh, first three episodes, because they made a fourth one after they made Doom Two. Mm-hmm. Because fucking shareware games in the nineties. Yeah. Fuck if anybody knows. Um, it's really good. It's really solid. And I definitely want to replay it on a higher difficulty, difficulty and improve my skills and abilities. Nice. But that's it for what I've kind of been messing with. Oh, no, I also I found my old netbook that I had for a long time that had Windows XP. And I was like, you know what? I want to fuck with Linux a little bit. And I basically wiped that computer and installed a lightweight uh, Linux distribution called Lubuntu. Just to mess with it and see what it's like. Now, let me talk about what I've read this week. 
Right. I have read the latest issue of Immortal Hulk, the new right. issues of X-Men, the new issues of Marauders, the new issues of Excalibur, the new issues of X-Force, the new issues of Fallen Angels, Morbius number two, and Sleepwalker one through seven. <laughs> I just binged a bunch of comics this week. Good for you. You need people need to do that every once in a while. Oh yeah, I I really could stand to do that because I've had some trades just sitting on my nightstand for almost three months now. Immortal Hulk is getting really interesting. It, it, it's dealing with things in a way that I didn't think it was going to deal with. It was very cool. Um, X Men, the whole X Men line is on the whole fantastic. There are some weak links in the comics lineup. X-Men is great because X-Men feels like, all right, all the major characters from these X-Men books, we're just going to pick and choose and they're going to go on a a fun little mission every issue or like every arc or whatever. Hmm. Like right now the arc, because the current setup for X-Men is they're all living on the island nation of Krakoa. And in order to gain political political power within the world, they have made life-saving and life-extending drugs that can only be produced by Krakoa. Well, these horticultural grannies who basically want to fuck over the world and control it with plants go like, uh-uh, honey, that's our gig. And they basically break into Krakoa and steal their plants. And that's kind of the story going on right now. And that issue specifically. Now, Marauders, because, hey, they have a big trade thing. Guess what? Professor Xavier wants to control the prices of it so the the mutants can still have can contain power and control over it. Uh, that means they also need to have control over the black market. Marauders is the officially unofficial sanctioned pirate crew of Krakoa. Huh. Captain by Kitty Pride. Okay, I saw a tweet. Somebody posted a custom Marvel Legends Pirate Kitty Pride, and I was like, what is this about? They said it was a comic thing, so I was like, what? Yeah, basically, um, um, something is futzing. There's a mystery behind it. No one knows what's going on. She can't go through the portal to Krakoa. She still goes there every once in a while, but she feels like, know what if i can't be there like everybody else uh i kind of want to travel the world a little bit so emma frost went hi we're selling all these flowers and stuff for things but we need to control the black market and basically make sure nobody takes advantage of it so if you see some people selling who aren't supposed to be selling fucking rob them blind and you can take what you want just make sure the flowers get back into krakoa hands and it's like all right cool uh she captains storm is there iceman is there uh i'm trying to think of it like those those are the big three that have kind of been a part of this bishop is also a part of it uh yeah it's really fun it's kind of lighthearted. pyro pyro is another guy that's in the uh team then there's excalibur which is basically all the best commentator at aew yeah but uh, the comic Excalibur is basically all the mutants that also deal with magic dealing with mutant magic stuff. So you have Gambit and Rogue 
Um, Jubilee is in there, but because we need someone to fill it out and she's a cool character. Um, and Apocalypse is part of the book. Okay. And so far, he's been a pretty cool, chill dude. Um, also, do you know all dumb bullshit with Psylocke and Captain Britain and all that shit? All I know about Psylocke is that her and Angel were fucking at one point. Okay, quickest rundown. Um, Captain Britain actually has a twin sister who's a mutant, and through some comic bullfuckery, uh, she had her mind implanted in the body of a Japanese assassin. Mind you, she is a white British lady. So, for the longest time, the person we know as Psylocke was actually a white British woman in the body of a Japanese assassin. Well, now they're separate entities again. The white British lady has body back, and the assassin's off doing her own thing. Basically going, like, I'm pissed because I was a puppet for years, but I don't blame her. It's not her fault. I'm pissed at the world. Um, and basically some shit happens with Captain Britain, and he goes, like, I am being possessed. Here, take the amulet. You're Captain Britain, until, and figure this shit out. Save me. So, she's now Captain Britain. She's a cool character. I dig her. I dig what she's doing. Okay. Uh, X-Force is Black Works, Wet Works kind of stuff, so uh, Wolverine's in it. A couple other people are in it. They do some dirty shit. And Fallen Angels is basically, like, the darker side of things of people who have, like, real severe emotional damage. It's... It's... Psylocke, the body, the Japanese assassin lady, she's going by Psylocke. She wants to take the name for herself because it's like, you know what, I've been called this for years because she was also conscious during this whole thing but couldn't communicate. Oh. Yeah. And she goes like, you know what, I want to take this name and make it my own. Uh, X-23 is there because she's basically been trying to put on a happy face but feels like there's something not wrong but she there's something gnawing at her still. And then Young Cable because Young Cable's a thing. And they're off trying to fight, like, this um, post-singularity kind of being that says, like, why should humans and mutants fight when, like, we can use technology and just be equal and the same in the Borg? So they're fighting him. It's the weakest book of the lineup. Sounds like it. Yeah. I'm reading it to kind of just keep up with the whole X-Men story, but, like, if... It gets canceled soon. I wouldn't be mad. Uh, but next, I read uh, Morbius number two, which basically they're going, "Hey, Morbius, you know how you have a really sad life? We're gonna make it worse." And it's really kind of gothic story horror telling kind of stuff because he basically thinks, "Oh, I found the cure," but then it makes his mutant, not mutant, uh, his vampire disease worse. All right. And he turns into a freak. And then the sister of the person, the first person he killed, comes and goes like, I'm gonna murder your ass. And he goes like, shit, I realize that you are completely justified in wanting to murder my ass, but please don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, like, they're trying to stab him and he goes, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. And it just makes me go like, oh, fuck, Morbius is great. But next I read a comic from the early 90s 
called Sleepwalker. Now this is a this is a kind of a cult Marvel thing. It only had like a 33 issue run when it first started and like a couple appearances later on. But ever since it's been kind of quiet with this character. Basically he comes from a place called the Mindscape and he gets lost and trapped in this one dude's mind and whenever the dude sleeps he comes out and kind of fights crime. That's hmm. the general setup of the story. Um, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. It's genuinely so far one of my favorite Marvel things. But the interesting thing that I think you would find interesting with this book, he was created by Bob Budiansky. Okay. The Transformers guy. Yeah, I know who he is. That's just there that Bob Budiansky also created. Hmm. And like he's fantastic. It feels like something a writer would reference in a book, and then people would pop for it so hard that they'd get Budiansky back to write a new ongoing. That oh, feels no. like a thing Marvel would do right now. But like that's what Sleepwalker looks like. Yeah, I recognize him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic because it's kind of I don't want to say it's hokey, but it's very atyp- it's very typical superhero fare, but they play with the superhero the supervillains kind of fun. Like every supervillain he's fought is original creation. Hmm. So he fought a guy called Eight Ball, who is inspired by Pool, who made a pool stick that can amplify force and can like he taps a car and it flies. Hmm. And it's really cool. And, like, he fought a group of guys called the Chain Gang. Four prisoners who escaped and got shot by some weird laser bullshit. And whenever they're chained up uh, together, the four of them uh, in the chain, I said chain a couple times now, uh, they have a variety of superpowers, including one guy who can, like, teleport a few feet, dodge stuff. Another guy with just generic super strength. Another guy who's, like, a technopath, kind of, like, electric-feeling kind of guy. But the interesting thing about that comic is that happened right in the middle of Infinity Gauntlet. (laughs) So what happens is... Is there just an issue where one of the characters are gone and they don't talk about it? No. Here's the thing. The issue right before it, the guy whose mind Sleepwalker kind of inhabits, because... At first, the guy doesn't know what the fuck's going on, but then they start talking. They go like, "Oh shit, you're not a you're not a fucking monster. You're a cool dude. You just you just want to be out and fight crime because you feel like that's your life's calling." Okay, cool. So this and so they start building a symbiotic relationship, a friendship, and like whenever one has to tell something, the other because when one sleeps, the other's awake, kind of thing. They write little messages to it, and they're like they're friends, they're buddies. They really appreciate each other. That's really cool. Um, But essentially, while the dude's asleep, Thanos snaps and he just disappears and nobody knows where he went because they're on Earth and not in the Avenity stuff whatsoever. So Sleepwalker's going, Sleepwalker's basically going like, what the fuck is happening? And the dude's parents come by and they're like, where's our son? You monster, you ate him. And he's like, no, I'm wondering where he went to. He's my friend. 
and he starts flying around and starts helping people but because he looks like a bug-eyed monster everybody's going like you freak what the fuck are you doing get out of here and that's like a major theme with the thing he tries to help people but they're like afraid of how he looks then doctor strange comes to him and just goes like hey this is kind of the shit that's happening uh can you just help out and he goes like yeah no i understand i'll help as best i can because he's a good boy um and that's when he like he helps save some people and they go like oh dude you're you look like a freak but you're cool and then he invites the chain gang and he sends them to the mindscape like they're lost forever in time and space in this other dimension and like they undo the snap and like sleepwalkers going like huh i felt like there was a disaster going on but it, nothing happened it's just a weird feeling and then you see a newspaper that says four inmates missing because they were in a different dimension they didn't get reset hmm um, and his powers are really cool too, because basically he has like an eye laser thing that can manipulate physical objects. So like he can look at the wall behind you and make the wall like close in on you. Interesting. You know how like in dreams things can move in weird ways because it's a dream. Kind of. Basically, sorta. I don't remember my dreams that well. But you know, like the archetypical idea of like you run away, but the you never go anywhere. Yeah, the, the ground just keeps moving under you. He, that's basically his power. He can do that with real objects to you. Like one thing he did when he was fighting a guy was he put him on a swing set and he lifted the swing set like fifty feet in the air, and the guy's going like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" Give me, tell me what I, tell me what I want. Okay, here's the information. And he starts flying off, and he's like, "Aren't you gonna let me down?" It's like. No, you're a criminal. Why would I let you down? So he's really cool. I'm really digging him. And I really want to write a comic book for him where he's basically a stand from JoJo. Uh, Yeah, I really dig Sleepwalker. He's great. Cool. And again, he's a D-list guy in Marvel. And those are my kind of dudes. I've come to realize this. I mean, Sleepwalker, The Slingers, Deathhawk, uh, Slapstick, but he kind of had a little resurgence when he was in Deadpool. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I, yeah. I, I, saw, I read that, I think. Man with one of the saddest fucking existence in the world. <laughs> he uses his paycheck to pay prostitutes not to sleep with him because he doesn't have a penis anymore but to replicate a family life that he can never have. I mean, honestly, that's what I would do if I had a really good paycheck. I'm lonely. Want to talk about what you've done with this week? Sure! Um, (laughs) So, this was a very... Considering what time of year it is, it's a very weird thing for me to go to, but... I've just been listening to all the Digimon insert songs this week. Hey, in, did you in addition to my normal remote. That's the one that I like rarely listen to, but I, I like run around. Here we go. The, 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 J, the Jason Radford ones are fucking wonderful and really nostalgic for me because they're on that same kind of level as the Transformers, the movie 1986 soundtrack of like just 
butt rock that I listened to all the time as a kid. Um, and just occasionally I'll be like, I want to listen to this because it popped into my head at work today and that it makes me happy. It's, it's that kind of music. Um, I've been watching, uh, quite a bit of stuff, uh, still doing the TJ Omega rewatch. I went through basically all of his early Common Rider belt reviews this week, uh, where he was doing like the storyline stuff and then eventually had to cancel it because he realized he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Kind of like I did. Um, this is, this is good. Uh, caught up on SF DeBreeze's videos. He's been doing some good stuff leading up to the end of the year. I'm, I'm looking forward to those end of the year things. Uh, been marathoning the Atop the Fourth Wall Christmas episodes just because I, it's a Christmassy thing to watch while I'm doing other stuff. Don't have to pay too much attention to it. And uh, hey, one year he did his favorite storyline, my favorite storyline of his at Christmas time. So, uh, um, free to delete episode five. Um, I don't want to go too much into this because this is really an MMWP conversation, but holy shit, is it obvious Matt is leaving. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's basically back to being broken Matt in that series now. And I don't know how close the tabs you're keeping on main roster or classic brand shit, um, but... Basically, they're bringing him out every week now for the nostalgia pop and to get squashed. Doof. It's, he, it's he's, in the, he's in the John Moxley position. Yep, he is. And uh, I would not be surprised if he literally gets into the John Moxley situation next year. Um, uh, watched another disc's worth of Power Rangers in Space episodes. In Space is good shit. Um... And, and then I just kind of um, finally got in, not the holiday spirit, but just the mood to watch Christmas specials. So I've watched uh, Justice League Comfort and Joy. Uh, that's that's one of the ones I do every year because it's just it's, oh, it's so good. So good. So wholesome. Um Zhuoger, episode 43. First time I've watched any Zhuoger since the, the broadcast, or Zhuoger, I'm sorry. I always get them mixed up. Zhuoger, first time I've watched any of it since the broadcast. Holy crap, I forgot how engaging that show is. I I, I really want to watch rewatch the whole thing at some point. Um, Gokaiger, episode 44, another one I, I do every year because it's I'm not sure, but I think it might be my favorite episode of Go Kaiger because it's one of the few that you can just throw on and not need a whole ton of context. And it does literally everything great about Go Kaiger in one episode. Like, it's a Luca focus episode, it's a guy focus episode. There's a cool plot. There's a plot involving a kid that isn't annoying. Uh, there's a really weird but fun monster. There's an all-color morph, there's a tribute morph, and there's a cameo from Space Sheriff Gavin's actor. So, you know, just great stuff all around. Also, it uses my favorite insert from the series. Um, Nito Benito. 
watched the Patrick Stewart version of A Christmas Carol for the first time. Um, it, it's just one of those things where I've always meant to watch it, but I've always been busy with other stuff at Christmas time. Um, I don't like it as much as people who have always told me seem to like it. I think it's one of Patrick Stewart's best performances. Everyone else in it just kind of feels okay. And the direction of it really feels like I'm just watching a stage play with editing. There's not enough that makes me feel like I'm watching a movie version of A Christmas Carol. That That's my biggest mark against it. Otherwise, it's pretty good. I like that they did as uh, they had it open with Marley's funeral. I don't think I've ever seen that in another version. I'm not sure if it's in the original because I've only read the original once. Um, but uh, yeah, it is, it is good. Um, and then I watched A Christmas Story for the first time. And by for the first time, I mean I watched the whole thing in one go for the first time. I've caught bits and pieces of it before. I've seen all the big famous clips. I've just never sat down and watched it. Um, it's not for me. I get why people like it. There was very little in it I actually enjoyed. Um, I... I think my favorite thing in it was the way the stuff the dad does on Christmas Day. Um, I didn't like him in the rest of the movie, but the way the kind of stuff he would do on the in the Christmas Day part of the movie really reminded me of stuff my dad did growing up, and that that was kind of like a nice, pleasant nostalgia thing. The rest of it felt like I don't I don't know if you like this or not. I don't want to get into an argument, but basically, my biggest thing is. It feels like somebody trying to write about their childhood, but they don't actually remember what being a kid is like to me. Oh, yeah, very much. It's a movie made for boomers about boomers' childhood, but for boomers at the age of the movie's release. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it it only got popular because it was cheap to just play on TV all the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely It's not feels a good like a- movie. It feels like it's a caught-on for repetition kind of thing. Kind of like The Office. Okay, moving on. Um, I read... Hey, that was some fucking shade, bro. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like The Office or shows of its type at all. Just, just putting that out there again, as I occasionally tend to do. Um, Batman Noel. I read that. I've read it once before. Um... I really like it. It's a pretty good version of A Christmas Carol. There's a few hiccups here and there in character that uh, that I'm not a fan of. I, I'm in the camp that really doesn't like Lee Bermejo's art. I'm just not a fan of more painted, more realistic art. The only person that does it that I like is Alex Ross. Everyone else, I just... It doesn't work for me. Um, however... Uh, it, it was it was a nice little thing to to read that was Christmassy, um, and for anyone who's gonna who's gonna wonder, I didn't do Klaus just because it's 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 too soon. I, it's not time to reread Klaus yet. Maybe next year. Um, and then I opened a fuck ton of Power Rangers Lightning Collection figures. Uh, basically all the single packed ones that I got. Um, just after Retro Toy Con and hadn't got around to opening yet. So I'm going to run down them all. I'm going to try and be pretty quick, just give like a quick bullet points thing. Uh, MPR White Ranger. 
Uh, I have the original, the first Lightning Collection figure we ever saw now. Yay, hooray! It's okay. It's not It's not great. It's, it's, it's neat to just see, like, what that is like in hand after having seen pictures of it for so long. But overall, it, it didn't it didn't really wow me. Uh, Dino Charge Red. I was expecting this to. I was expecting it to be like a, a really just okay figure. It's pretty good. The only knock I can really have against it is the head sculpt is a little bit deer in the headlights looking, but most of the civilian heads look that way to me. Um, Beast Morphers Gold. I really like that figure. I think I think it's probably the best of the Beast Morphers Rangers they've released so far. Um, love, 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 love that he came with the hand to do the Magi Ranger homage pose. Um, Lost Galaxy Magna Defender. My least favorite Lightning Collection figure so far. I thought I would really like it because I love the Magna Defender suit. I don't like the character of the Magna Defender. I liked Mike Corbett as the Magna Defender. I did not like original Magna Defender. He seemed like a whiny emo dumbass to me. Um, the figure is just made in a way that the articulation is almost any pose you put him in. He looks like he looks really bulky and awkward and like he's going to fall over from the weight of his armor. And it just doesn't work. I wish it did, but it just doesn't. Psycho Blue, uh, he's fine. MMPR Red, the uh, the shieldless Jason, it's pretty good. Um, the shoulder joint looks really weird in some poses because he has that kind of figure artsy. Um, half of my upper torso is a tube, so we can get really good arm articulation going pose uh, kind of joints. Um, and it's just like, you got to get the right angle going. Otherwise it looks really weird how his pectorals are. Um, Dino Charge Gold, I really wanted to like it, but, but the, the, it's just missing so much paint that I, I feel super annoyed about it. Like Dino Charge Red had all this really nice paint work. Gold is missing most of the apps that impressed me with red like red has his white neck sock he has the silver gauntlet things on the glove um and all all of his red matches pretty much gold is missing the silver gauntlets his neck sock isn't there it's like this weird macaroni and cheese yellow as is most of his suit except for his thighs Weirdly, his thighs get the same gold paint that Beast Morphers gold got, and I don't understand why they didn't put that on the rest of the figure. It makes it look so weird. Um, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta love them thighs. Mm -hmm. It's cool that his his sword can actually do the the opening to load in the Dino Chargers thing, though. I was not expecting that. Do um, they give you tiny Dino Chargers? No, they don't. It feels okay, really pointless. It feels really pointless. It's like okay, I mean, it's, cool that it's, it's cool that you did this for posing purposes, but also could you have not and then put that budget into the paint? It's it's one of those catch twenty two kind of things. Um, Lord Draken, I like it. It doesn't blow me away. I'm happy to finally have a Lord Draken figure. 
Fuck you, Power Morphicon. Just saying that again. I'm still bitter. Um, but uh, yeah, he's nice. Beast Morphers Blue. Not if it weren't for Magna Defender, it would be my least favorite Lightning Collection figure so far because uh, I got some bad paint. He has some silver on a part of his arm that there shouldn't be silver. Also, um, he comes with less weapons than either of the other Beast Morphers figures come with. Did I, did I say he was Dino Charge Blue? No, maybe? I don't know. Okay, I thought I had a Freudian slip. It's Beast Morphers Blue. Um, he only comes with the camera, or with the, bin- with the binocular sword. Sorry, it's late. Um, and then he comes with an additional effects part so he can do like a power punch pose because he's the gorilla strength guy. It really annoys me that they've been avoiding camera gun for so long. If beast morphers yellow, when they eventually do her, if she does not come with the camera gun, I'm going to write a very strongly worded letter to Hasbro. Just saying. Um, Bro, has you not known what we want? Yeah, exactly. Um, Like it's, it's just weird because, like, I was okay with Reg coming with the cheetah gun instead because, like, that's an American thing. You're not going to get that with any GoBusters figures. I get why you put that in there. And gold, but gold comes with both his what is called the Striker Morpher, the the pistol that the Gold and Silver Rangers used to transform. Uh, that's called the Striker Morpher in Power Rangers, and he comes with the steering wheel sword. I did not think they were going to give them him that, but they gave him that. So for blue to only come with the binoculars sword, which we've, which is a part we've already gotten with another figure, and then to come with a power punch effects part, which I looked up and it's reused from a Marvel Legends figure, felt kind of cheap to me. But hey, is but Marvel Legends has so long of a time to build up assets that if you can reuse an asset that would be cool on a Power Ranger, A, that keeps production costs down, and may mean you get more interesting Power Ranger accessories. Oh, yeah. Um, and and that's that's the thing is, like, I don't know if I've said this before, but all the effects part, parts in the Lightning Collection so far are reused from Marvel Legends, but this is the only time where I've noticed it, where, I've, where it's felt like this is just throwing it in to save money. Yeah, I'm not saying it, it it's going to be good all the time. I'm just saying, like, if they can have a generic set of, like, explosive stuff, they can use those on Legends, on Black Series, and on Lightning. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, is there anything else? I'm just thinking, is there anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, he does have the best civilian head sculpt in the line. I'll give him that. It looks dead on, and it doesn't look like he's just got a generic deer-in-the-headlights expression. That That is the one good thing I can say about that figure. Um, but yeah, I have so many Lightning Collection figures now that I need to rethink how my shelves are organized. They're either over Christmas break, because I think I get both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off, or on my birthday, because I'm planning to take my birthday off from work, I'm going to have to have a major reorganizing. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, that's everything I've been doing this week. So I think that pretty much covers us for this episode of Analytical Fanboys. Chris, you want to go ahead and plug your stuff? Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm Chris Boingo Writer Gaston, if you haven't been able to figure that out from the fact that my name is Chris and he calls me Boingo every once in a while. <laughs> my my brain likes to bounce back and forth between things. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't saying it was a bad thing. I'm just making a joke and observation. Uh, uh, I do video editorial bullshit. You can find my stuff on my YouTube channel at Boingo Writer. You can find me on Instagram at Boingo underscore writer and on Twitter at the very same. No. Yeah. At the very same Boingo underscore writer. You can join my discord server. A link to that is in the description and you can check out our other podcast, which is the one that I edit called MMWP, where we talk about wrestling on a semi weekly basis. <laughs> I say semi because we've been having some rough patches lately. We try to get it weekly. But hey, when it comes out, it's good shit. It's good shit. That's that's a wrestling meme for those of you who don't follow wrestling. Yeah. You should watch the other podcast so you can get all these jokes that we tell. Yeah. And then we can crack open a little bit of the bubble. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, that's, it. that's the only part. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, I am Simeon the Vacuuminator Scott. I'm a toy reviewer who talks about toy review. I talk. I like. I like toys. I talk about toys quite a bit. I'll occasionally touch on other things, but mainly it's it's action figures, role play toys, the occasional building kit or blind pack, something like that. Uh, but I, I tend to stick to things, and I review things. In release order. So if I buy a really old toy, it gets reviewed right away. Um, I don't do current stuff because I don't I don't believe in the expression strike while the iron is hot. I don't like clickbaity ride the trend kind of stuff. So you can you can rely on me for actually thinking about and having a really well thought out video and not just going, hey, I just got this. Here's what it does. It's really cool. You should go get it, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all there is to say for my sales pitch. So you can go check me out at youtube.com slash the vacuuminator. That's T H E V A C U U M I N A T O R. For those of you who can't figure out how to spell that, um, I'm on social media, Twitter at the vacuuminator and Instagram, the vacuuminator. And this podcast is right here on YouTube, on the Modular Media YouTube channel. You should go ahead and subscribe so you can get every episode as it comes out. Don't forget to ring the bell so you definitely get every episode as it comes out. If you want to listen to it on the go, there is a Google Drive folder linked in the video description where you can download MP3s of the podcast. And you can follow us on social media to keep up with news regarding the podcast and quick little things of like, hey, this happened tonight, it means there's going to be a point five, like I did last week because of the, cr- the crisis. Um, and those are Twitter, at the Modular Media, and Reddit, r slash Modular Media. We have, we have a subreddit. You can go and join us, and maybe somebody besides me will be in there. Well, somebody somebody will be in there posting things besides me because Chris is in there. But the only thing that ever gets posted is me just linking to the latest podcast. I'm just blabbering now. So 
I think that's going to do it for this episode of Analytical Fanboys. We will see you next time when we will be reviewing the second volume of Saga. Bangarang. Bye-bye.